0: Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 69. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So we have got a great guest on the show this week, Jeffrey Shaw. Now, Having a keen eye isn't just for what one sees, but also for what one senses. Jeffrey Shaw, aka The Lingo Guy, has been the go-to portrait photographer for an exclusive clientele for over 30 years. His portraits have appeared on The Oprah Show, CBS News, In O Magazine, People Magazine, and New York Family Magazine. Jeffrey is also the host of a popular business podcast, Creative Warriors, and a featured speaker on The Moth. Now, Jeffrey uses his honed intuition to see and sense to help businesses stand out, attract their ideal customers, and create brand loyalty that supersedes price. His book, Lingo, Discover Your Ideal Customer's Secret Language and Make Your Business Irresistible. Jeffrey, it's great to have you on the show. I'm thrilled to be here with you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. So, Jeffrey, can you give us a little bit of a background about what's taken you through this wonderful journey in photography and to where you are now today? Sure. Well, you know, I
1: think for a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, it's it's anything but a straight line, right? Uh, and, and mine certainly has been, um, you know, a, a, a squiggly line. I won't even say jagged because that implies you know, a lot of sharp turns and rarely is it a sharp turn. It's a lot of transitions. So to me, it's been a life unfolding and I actually refer to a life unfolding on, on my website um, because I look at it that way. And it's, and of my, many of my own podcast guests, I have often found myself asking them, how their life, you know, how they came to be, what they're doing. And, the, and I love the term unfolding because it allows there to be more connections in these changes in our lives um, so that not everything's a complete switchback. And I think even more importantly, it's not as though the path of our lives is disconnected. And being a creative person, this is something I take personal. I think a lot of creatives uh, really have a strong aversion because we've been accused most of our lives of lacking focus. That uh, when our lives look jagged and going in different directions, it, it hits a real sensitive spot for us because we're always told to you know focus and we should have one path and we should know where we're going all the time and we don't. You know we wander and hopefully we let life unfold. So for me. Uh, it's been a series of unfolding. I mean, I have been an entrepreneur my whole life. Um, I didn't know otherwise. I, by by age of 14 years old, I was selling, uh, farm eggs door to door. Uh, I lived in farm country and I thought that it would be ingenious to, uh, convince a farmer to let me collect the eggs and put them in the little cartons. And I went door to door and, uh, sold them. And uh, that was my first entrepreneur experience. I thought it was really, it was clever. I, you know, it was a clever thing to do at 14 years old. I I went around door to door on Saturdays because I figured everybody wanted eggs for a Sunday morning breakfast. My mom owned a beauty parlor. uh, So she had, I had a targeted audience. (laughs) So I'd pack up crates of eggs on Saturdays. And I did really well. And I ultimately sold my egg business a couple years later. I don't remember what I sold it for. I do remember I sold a dozen eggs for $1.25 in 1978, uh, which is a pretty healthy price in 1978. I felt like it, to this day, I hold the same principle that it wasn't about the eggs. It was the fact that it was the service, right? And it was the convenience. So I could, high, I could charge a premium because of the service and convenience um, and the likability factor, which has a lot to do with my book, Lingo. I mean, I realized that... Um, there was a likability factor. I mean, who doesn't like this young 14 year old ambitious boy knocking on your door, selling you eggs. Right. So, you know, I, I, I was blonde, blue eyed, like I played, you know, you got to work what your mama gave you. So I played it. Right. So I worked big time in this likability factor. And these, these, these women that, that I went door to door, they, they loved this 14 year old ambitious guy. So you know, I could charge a premium for it. So that was my first venture in entrepreneurship. Um, my father enjoyed photography as a hobby, so we had a dark room in the house. And honestly, what fascinated me was the chemicals, not so much the shooting or the the photography, but I was fascinated by what chemicals could how chemicals could bring something alive. And I actually realized looking back that that's was kind of the beginning of my love for personal development, really, because I love in photography we refer to as the latent image the latent image on film is what's there but you can't see until you develop it and I like to think about personal development the same way you know so here all these years later I'm as a coach and I still feel like I'm looking at the latent image I'm looking at the latent image in people that everything you know who they are is there and we just need to bring it out their fullest potential um so my my love While I loved photography, I have to say my true love was the fascination over bringing something out that was already there, but you couldn't see yet. Um, But that led me into taking photographs because I ran out of stuff to print and um, I went to photography school, actually intending on photographing buildings, uh, architecture, and uh, wound up photographing people and just fell in love with it again. I think it tapped back into what I really loved was the transformation. What I, what I loved more than photography was watching what happened to people in front of my camera. And uh, so for 33 years, and I, I'm still shooting, but now on a much, much limited basis. Um, but I got out of photography school. I started my business, uh, struggled for three years, reinvented myself in a whole different way. And when I did, I wound up redesigning and creating a business specifically for a very affluent market who I know would love Who's, who's, who I could speak their secret language, which is where the real learning of lingo came from, is when I realized I had a failing business because I wasn't speaking the right language to the audience that I built a business in. I failed and needed to reinvent myself and reinvented myself speaking the secret language of the audience that I felt I could completely get and who in turn could get me uh, and would value what I do. And when I did that, I had a smashing success photography business for you know, it's now 33 years. Uh, And along the way, because of my success as a photographer, photographers started coming to me, asking me for help and support. So I then started training, receiving training as a coach, because I wanted to know that if I was going to support someone in their endeavors, I wanted to make sure I was doing it from a place of integrity. Um, And uh, so I wanted to be a trained coach. I didn't just want to, I didn't want to be, a. to me, there's a difference between a mentor and a coach. And I could mentor them, but I wanted to coach them. I wanted to bring out their best. So I wanted training for that. So about eight years ago, I started coaching photographers and real quickly realized that I was not limited to photographers by any means, that there were uh, what I now refer to as the uncommon entrepreneur. There are just scores of people out there that we are following a path in life and creating businesses and developing products that are out of the ordinary. Innovative, right, and not taking a traditional path in life. Not we don't have the corporate job, and um, because of that, you realize that how you need to be in business is entirely different. And that's why I wrote this book. I wrote I wrote Lingo for the uncommon entrepreneur who needs a new way to be in business, which coincidentally I believe is the the way of being in business the world is waiting for. Um, so you know the coaching led to speaking uh, and uh eventually led to to putting it all together. you could say a th- three decades' worth of personal development and business experience I've put together in this book, uh, which is now just out
0: wow okay so let's let's dive into the yeah. the the secret language because yeah. that that intrigues me, and also is some of the some of the stuff here is is really intriguing because it is amazing how you're still kind of like doing the same thing you were doing in that photography. But when you reinvented it and tapped into the type of language that you wanted to target that audience, all of a sudden something changed. Right. And that's amazing because it's even the same when you're working with clients, isn't it? You can, you can, you can see when you use that language that they get, you can literally see that, that almost like their eyes open, the light bulb goes on and they go, ah okay i get that yeah and it, it is such a magical moment yeah. um which i think only probably only sort of maybe coaches trainers or, or people in that sort of genre like you know like the 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 counselors and those sort of things they they will identify with that
1: yeah although it's it's possible for anyone and I, again i actually yeah, think it's going to, i think it's going to become critical you know i, I, I one of my dreams for a book called lingo is that lingo becomes the new marketing buzz. Like I would love for people to get away from buyer personas and avatars, which have been common marketing words because lingo, and when I refer to the secret language, here's the irony of it. You know, lingo, secret language, it sounds like we're talking about words and language. And yes, that is part of the strategy, but actually what to speak someone's secret language is to speak to their essence right? You're speaking to, you're, you're connecting on values, you're connecting on emotional triggers. So you're actually creating a bond and a brand loyalty and someone's desire to do business with you that is more energetic. It goes, it's like, they're so drawn to you. And you just said it yourself, that term get, What right? A quote I use often is that nowadays, people don't hire you because you're the best. They hire you because you get them and they in turn get you. There's an energetic decision. And I know this, having been in business as long as I've, I've been in it, in the 80s, people would hire you for the best. It was prestigious to hire the best in any industry. And they would, people would, consumers would tolerate inappropriate behavior, but, you know, or people that were difficult to work with because so they could say, oh, I hired the best of so-and-so. People have no tolerance for that today. And we see this every day. We see it in even corporate transparency. A company whose values don't if you know it's these CEOs that come out and express, you know, some political comments, it's amazing to me because in scores of people, if they don't agree with that political view or that moral view, people will turn on them. I mean, look what's going on in our world. I mean the level of transparency is incredible and necessary. And but it's I love, I love, I can't, Jeff, I can't tell you how much I love living in a world In this time right now, when we are, your everyday person, consumers even, are saying I'm not going to do business with you or I'm not going to support you politically or otherwise if I don't agree with your values. And I think for entrepreneurs and businesses, you know, we need to grasp this. We need to understand people are making a decision to do business with us because of how they feel about us. So lingo and the secret language that one learns to develop by reading the book is really about connecting on an essence. Like to speak someone's secret language is sort of like, it's, under, it's a deep understanding, even if, if you think of it like your life partner, right? It's understanding that person so well that they know that, you know, you've got them you know, that's, that's really where I'm headed with this idea of secret language is to, to, it's the Mm. unspoken language in a way.
0: Yeah. You just, you, you know what they think before they've even opened their mouth. Absolutely. Yep. And you just, you're connected like, you know, business to consumer
1: and it doesn't have to just be a face to face business. I mean, this can be, this type of bond can be, I've, I challenge anyone listening. Like I've said this to people, like think in your own life, like aren't there brands and businesses that you are overly loyal to and perhaps the same brand or businesses or other ones it's there's very likely there's something in your life, be it a hobby uh, you know, maybe it's cameras, maybe it's bicycles, maybe it's some other hobby handbags or uh, chances are every, all of us have something that we are so passionate about that price is not our main issue, right? It's also often an area in our life where we will even spend beyond a, a proportionate amount of money. Because we just that we need that thing in our life, like we need that activity, or we just feel really compelled and drawn to that brand. Uh, you know, Apple is an example of that, and people will pay more because of their emotional connection to that brand. Harley Davidson was an example I give in the book Lingo. Like, I mean, Harley following—they're they're they're crazy, right? I mean, they're they're crazy passionate about that brand. Uh, I saw I saw a guy in the grocery store recently with the Harley Davidson logo tattooed on his bald head, and I thought that, right? I thought that's brand loyalty. Like how many companies would ever expect that? But that's what, you know, when you feel like a brand gets you, you're willing to go to considerable lengths.
0: So are there, are there ways? Cause you know, that's one of the, one of the things a lot of the the listeners to this show talk about is, is that challenge of that price barrier of, you know, I can't, I can't charge X what I really think I'm worth because I'm worried that people aren't going to pay, um, you know, pay the price and those sort of things. Mm. For people to get that, to to get that message across in all those different layers, in order for them to link with that lingo, as you're talking about, is there a specific strategy that they can use, or is it and a culmination of many things? It's.
1: Uh, let's let's I think the most helpful, let's look at it as a single strategy. Um uh, for one, the single strategy of my my business concept and what I'm teaching in lingo, really the single strategy is to only work with your ideal customer. Right. And that that seems like a simple strategy, but that's, you know, what that what I'm saying, and I, I refer to this in the book, is actually busting up the Pareto principle, right? Just the 80-20 rule that says 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. What that's at the heart of what that's saying is that you're wasting your time with eight out of 10 people. Right? And we can't afford that. So really the strategy here is how can we only work with our ideal customers? With pricing in mind, when the more you understand, you know, and again, I walk through a whole process. How do you define who your ideal customer is? It's, it's very different than what people think. It's actually has more to do with you than, than them. First, you have to really do a lot of self-study to understand who am I best for. Um, and who would get me, and who would I get. Right? That defines your ideal customer. So you already know who can, I, who can I, I develop a bond with. That's your ideal customer. Once you understand them, when it comes to pricing, pricing creates perception. And you, what you want to do is you want to align the perception that your ideal customer needs to have about a business before they make a buying decision. And a lot of the times that's upside down what people think because we think about it this way jeff many of us have said well we're not going to buy something cuz it seems too cheap yeah i see because price creates a perception so some believe me working with a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs there I mean, there have been people i've said double your prices and you'll get more business like part of the problem is that the price is so low And this is the irony of it. As a business coach, I find myself often working with people who complain about, you know, A, they're financially struggling. Um, They don't feel like they're working with the right customer, but everything about their pricing says that, you know, the people they're getting are perfectly aligned with the pricing they're charging. They're charging, they're not charging enough, so they're getting the customers that don't have enough. Right, so it's the pricing is is super powerful, and it is almost entirely psychological. And businesses have been speaking this language all along. You know, a high end business versus a discount store like a Walmart or something like that. There's a very definite psychology. I think the biggest shift I would love people to have in their mind is really understanding: price creates perception. You decide on the perception that you want people to have of your business, and then make sure you're priced accordingly. Um, you know, if you're on the, if on the low end, uh, you want to, you know, you want to talk about discount. You want to talk about, uh, your pricing is, you know, very specific, like $12 and 87 cents. Um, because you're, you have a very, on the low end, you want to create a perception of very high consciousness about money. Where on the high end, you want to be vague, just round it off don't talk about it a lot, right? Because you want to create, you don't want to bring consciousness to the price. You want to bring consciousness to the experience and value.
0: Yeah. It's like the cover that's sort of the gold card. You just, mm-hmm. you just get, it's got not much on. You just give it because everything that says everything you need to know. Exactly. Kind of like thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, I could speak to you for ages about that because that was really interesting. Yeah. On so many different levels, that's, that's really interesting. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we are going to dive to the second part of the show where I get an opportunity to put Jeffrey on the hot seat and ask him a set of questions. So, Jeffrey, are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it on. Okay, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, how many? Uh, t- how much time a week do you spend on self-development? Yeah, I-
1: Got to say, I love this question because I feel like I could say every hour, um, because <laughs> it is, it's all personal development. Yeah. I've always said like being an entrepreneur is like personal development on steroids. Like when you're out in the world, it pushes you along. But if I had to look at it more logically, um, I, I would say probably 12 to 15 hours a week. Um, because I'm the, just looking at the number of masterminds that I'm in, um, but you know, as a coach, especially if it's not my own personal development, working on other people's. But um, I'd say easily twelve to fifteen hours a week spent on my own personal development.
0: Yeah, the reason why I put this question is is because it amazes me how many people um, I spoke to who, um, I guess, were either settling for mediocrity is what how I would set, uh, describe it, or said that they had everything that they they wanted, but somehow they weren't happy um, yet did uh, what there was a correlation with no personal development. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, is that every single person I've, that I've ever spoken to on this show or speak to who are, you know, pursuing that, whatever that is that they're looking for. I've never met one that goes, I know everything, mm, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's trying to get people to understand that if you want to succeed, and success is you know it's a it's a picture that is individual to each and every one of us but success is a journey and it means that we have to work constantly to develop our own skills yeah. in whatever craft that is but it's that's why that question is asked and it is always a hard question especially for the people who come on the show because i know they're constantly doing it so it's it's trying to like bottle it in into like a a figure sort of thing
1: may i share a favorite quote with you that i think yeah absolutely of course quote my favorite quote is a quote by jim Rohn, and his quote is that your level of success rarely exceeds your level of personal development And I live by that, you know, so whenever I want more success in my life, I realize I have to raise the ceiling of my own personal development for which the success will then fill in that capacity. So it's always increasing your level of personal development capacity. And and honestly, Jeff, it's one of the things that makes lingo unique is that it is by and large, a business book, but the whole last section of the book is very personal development oriented. It's sort of when I explain the book, it's like, okay, I've given you all the strategies you need to develop the secret language. Now I'm going to help you change some mindsets and give you some daily practices that you need to live by in order for those strategies to work. Um, I fought hard for that. My editor and a few other professionals thought it was a crazy thing to add into a business book. It was like business first, you know, and self help combined. And I just said I won't do it any other way because I know that we have to help people in order to get people off the proverbial hamster wheel. They have to develop personally so that the ceiling of success can be raised.
0: Absolutely, and they need they need they need that structure to start creating those habits. Absolutely, or they, or it goes into the it goes into that personal development bookshelf. Yeah, that they've read and go okay next, yeah. and they don't do anything with it if there's not those those action points that they can introduce. Then they're not going to embed them like they would because we know what people do. Yeah. But as much as people would love to learn, you know, they just they just read and then go okay in the next one that that either hasn't fixed me fast enough or, or whatever it is. So you know, journeys it's that it's taking that time to learn those new skills, isn't it? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, we can't okay. just keep applying hours and hard work. We have to-
0: we have No, to- absolutely, absolutely. Question number two, what is your favorite personal development book and why? Yeah, again, so
1: many choices, but I'm gonna go with um, the magic of getting what you want. Um, and I, I, what I love about this book is that it, it actually works a lot with what I call a more mindset. <laughs> uh, we talk about, a lot about the scarcity mindset you know, and that's something a lot of people are very aware of. And you know, scarcity mindset can certainly keep us hooked. But what I love about the magic of getting what you want is really that the, the magic wand, if you will, that he's waving and suggesting, is having a more mindset, is having an app, an an attitude, and a drive to want more. Because without that, that more mindset, without that drive for more, um, you know, there's no drive. But one of the, one of the things. Um, I'll I'll admit to this and I always feel so shallow admitting to this. So it's interesting how there's, well, it's interesting how there's this thing that comes with, there's this weight that comes with saying this, but I've always struggled with gratitude journals. And quite honestly, I've always had a little problem with gratitude. And because of that, I actually came up with one of the, one of the daily practices that I offer in lingo is what I call a, what's going right journal. And I came up with that for myself because of my struggle with gratitude. And I realized that my struggle with gratitude is for one, it's incredibly vague and broad. I mean, I get up in the morning, I'm grateful to be breathing and alive and the sun is shining. So it's very hard. It's not specific and actionable enough to me, which is always a struggle for me. But I also felt like a complete grateful mindset also can keep us right where we are. Like if you're grateful, and it's, hey, it's right to be grateful, but if you're, if you're deeply grateful for what you've got, where's the drive to want more? Right. And I don't just mean it in a materialistic way. Like just what if you just want more recognition so you can impact more people? That's kind of where I'm at. Like I just want more recognition so that I can help more people. Right. If 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 you're just grateful for where you are, where's the drive for more? And that's why I came up with the concept of the what's going right journal, which is a practice of journaling every day the things that are going right in your life. So you're creating a positive flow because what we know, uh, Jeff, you know, just even by in the brain, we know that we get more of what we focus on. So if we can start seeing and journaling more of what's going right, we actually create a positive action flow, which is what has always been lacking for me a little bit in the idea of gratefulness.
0: Uh, yeah, it's interesting that, because I do, I do the gratitude, but I also do a success journal. So I write down, I've done it ever since I recovered from my illness. Well, while I was recovering from illnesses, I, I write down all my successes, no matter how small. Perfect. So when I do have those bad days, yeah. I've got those things that can keep my momentum going because I can look and go. Actually, things aren't as bad as I thought they were because I've done X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and it helps that momentum going. Um, and it's it it is one of those it is one of those practices. And realistic, I love that actually that concept you've got because it, it's finding the right one for you. Mm-hmm. It's 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 looking at all of these things that we do and going. Actually, I don't like that, but I do like this concept. So, if I introduce this concept, actually, that helps me move forward, and that's what, what I'm going to do. And I love I love that because yeah. it's it, it's finding you. It's finding you. It's using all of the skills that you can get from 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 every book that you've read, and for every system that you've seen, and going okay. Now let's make my toolbox and see what moves me forward. Yeah, uh, I love that. It's I
1: what I that. refer to. Actually, okay. I've been working on a presentation which I call the life of awe, uh, because I, I I started wondering what's beyond gratefulness. Like, what is what is? How do we get to a whole other level? I look at it as the life of awe, where you actually end up with a life that even you are are shocked. Like, how do we get out of what we expect to get in our lives and what we're even grateful for, and how do we end up with a life where we look at it and say, "I'm in awe of how much." Came together for me, and uh, so that's, that's some of my practices are geared towards creating that life of awe.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. And you know, and 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 one of the things I want to point out as well to the listeners is, it's okay. You know, that you'll hear people talk about ego books. You'll hear people talk about you know awe and 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 recording successes. It's okay to celebrate them in a positive way. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, we, we were, you know, many of us may have been brought up that we shouldn't be like that because it was wrong. But actually, there is a huge benefit in celebrating those things and actually stopping for a moment. And as long as it's meant to be for a positive thing, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, most and, you know, people, the, the people, Jeff, that we even have that thought which are tend to be the people I work with, they're so far from becoming egotistical that they just don't even worry about it. Absolutely. (laughs) If you you even enter the thought that you don't want to become that, you're so far from becoming that. You need to celebrate as a a (laughs) means of demonstrating to people around you that it's possible for them too. I actually think it's a disservice to people to hold back and to not celebrate your life because then you're not allowing other people to do the same.
0: No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, question number three is: What is your favorite app?
1: Yeah, talk about a talk about a switch here because I'm going to go st- streamline logical for you. My favorite app is called To Do. It's the number two and D O. Uh, it is uh, I I live by it. It's my to do list. Um, but aside from it being really logical, it, it also serves another. Important concept for me, which is because it's on my phone, it's completely digital. Um, it gives me the smoothness to move things around, and I think that's really important because I think we can we can have a lot of self discipline in our lives as as entrepreneurs. And um, the ease by which it is to say, well, that didn't get done today, I can move it till tomorrow, is is really easy when you do it electronically. It's harder to do it when you have to, it's, It feels I don't know. I feel cruel to myself. If I have to cross it out and like rewrite it. <laughs> There's a smoothness, so that's my favorite app, To Do.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because um, I'm 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 quite a and I've always been quite a neat freak with my journal, um, and the, like I plan my day in my journal in pencil, but I do my today tasks in Trello, because of that reason I can just move them over and go. Well, I don't have to worry about that. I've got my I've got my kind of like general things that I record, but everything else can go into Trello. So I can just yeah. do it that way. I like my paper system, but my, I love my daily ones in Trello, because it makes yeah. life so much cleaner. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so the next one is, question number four. What's your biggest business mistake, and what did it teach you?
1: <laughs> I love this question, because it is, it's it's every, I, actually, it's the, my biggest business, business, business mistake is the same mistake probably 95% of businesses do, uh, which is entirely the foundation of, of my book, Lingo, because it, it is representing my biggest mistake, I made, I built the business I wanted and didn't pay attention to who I was building it for. And therefore, I built it for the wrong people. My, you know, when I first started out as a photographer, I had visions of being a high end photographer and and had the, how important it was to hand down portraits from generation to generation in a community, my hometown, which was lower middle class, you know, socioeconomically and just simply couldn't afford worrying about tomorrow because they had to struggle to make it for today. And I really I mean, businesses do this every day. People have ideas, we run with them, we build a business. What I, The entire point of link, because what it taught me is everything that I'm 30 years later teaching in this book. Because what it taught me is that in order to be successful, you need to build a business for your ideal customer. You talk about making your life easier. You have a choice. You can build the business you want and then spend the rest of your life trying to prove your value to people and trying to fit people to fit into that business. Or you can identify who your ideal customer is, who you know you can create a deep emotional bond with, build a business for them, create a brand image that shouts to them, and they will show up in droves, right? And that is literally my experience. I went from a failing business for three years, getting this concept, three months of study and changing my business, reinventing myself, and reinventing my business in a different town, and in one year, multiplied my business, 5 times. And then within just a few years after that as a photographer I had an eight week waiting list and I cruised at that peak for 20 years. And it's not until I decided to pull the lever back to make room for coaching that I even slowed that practice down. I'd probably still be flying high. Right, but in mean, a whole you just
0: replicate... And I'm sorry, have you just replicated that process when you've gone into the coaching side Exactly. As well? Yep. Exactly.
1: Which I believe that's why I coach a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches look at me and say, mm. now, wait a minute. I've been struggling for 15 years. How do you come <laughs> out of the gate and in three years have a thriving <laughs> coaching business? Uh, uh, like, right? Because I, first of all, you know, my, I defined, it's just like the name of my podcast, my audience, my ideal customer, who I refer to as creative warriors doesn't mean they're traditional creatives, not not just photographers and artists, but they're creative warriors. They're people that want to, that are doing something really unique in the world, like whether they're coaches or designers. And, you know, it's a struggle being in business that way and I can help them. So I've already walked this journey. I've been a creative warrior for 33 years. This is why I can help, right? And, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's defining, it's building your business. And what I find most of them, in fact, have built the business they wanted and they're trying to fit people in as opposed to, and it doesn't mean you have to move your business or start over it just means in, in your market, who is your ideal customer and helping them define that. That's the key thing. A lot of people go about, like I said, your ideal customer is not necessarily, it's not all about them. It has a lot to do with who, who are yeah. you for? Whom yeah. are you for? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Okay, question number five is what are your challenges? I've changed the word slightly in um, harmonizing work and life. And how do you manage them? Well, I love that you changed it to harmonizing because um, there's a big difference between balancing and harmonizing. There is. <laughs> um, it was suggested to me actually yeah. by some, a friend of mine and somebody who listens to the show. Good. Because
1: I've been spending years trying to redefine balance. I'm like, balance doesn't mean equal, balance just no, means it more doesn't. choice. <laughs> So harmonizing to me means more of an integration. Um, yes. So, you know, it's, and it's, to that point, if somebody were to look at my life now, they would say, man, are you off balance? Because 90% of my time is spent on working. Uh, and you wouldn't think at this you know, stage of life when I thought I'd be slowing down that that would be the case. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I've, I've raised three adult kids. I was a single dad for a number of years as well. They're all off on their own. I can work. Endless hours today, you know that I want to and, and I do because i'm so passionate about my work So to me how I harmonize it But you know to that point I think harmonizing is such a great word because i'm in a new relationship uh, Four months into a, a new relationship, which is the most important thing to me At this stage of my life, 53 years old, that is the most important thing to me. So um, I just try to keep boundaries. You know, I know when to call it quits. Uh, You know, we don't see each other every night, so I can work till one o'clock in the morning on those nights. But hey, there's time carved out in my life for that relationship, and the weekends are off limits for work uh, so that I can devote time. So I'm incredibly disciplined. I wrote Lingo in six months, and I I wrote it through discipline. I I wrote every afternoon from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Um, and it was off limits. Nothing else could get booked. I didn't allow it to get interrupted. Uh, I'm incredibly disciplined, so I'm equally disciplined when it comes to harmonizing my personal and work life. That I, I just do it by boundary.
0: Wow! Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Question number six is: What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Oh gosh, you know, it's too, I'm just going to reinforce what I said because
1: I think it's that important to develop, but I'll give it a name this time, to give, to develop what I call a customer centric business. Uh, In lingo, I talk about redefining customer service and calling it customer centric because you know again, customer service, which is great, but it can be a loop. Customer service can be you bending over backwards to try to serve non-ideal customers. The easier route to business is to build a customer centric business meaning you've already defined who your ideal customers you've put them at the center of your life and your universe and what's important to you and you've built a business for them right so you know it just changes the games again customer service is great it's a great concept but again in in in, in an underlying way Customer service can also imply that that there's a certain amount of fakeness to it. Sometimes you're smiling when you don't feel like smiling, and you're you know that. And we can we can attach a, an award to that, like you give great customer service. Well, you know what? What if we built the business for the right people in the first place, and there was never a falseness to serving them because you genuinely wanted to serve them. That to me is a customer-centric business. So my advice to any entrepreneur starting out would be to first define who your ideal customer is and where you can find them and then build a business for them and build a brand, which is why in Lingo, I lay out a five step strategy to result in the brand that your ideal customer sees. As I, what I say is, when you're speaking, when you've built the right brand and you're speaking the secret language of your ideal customer, it's a magnet for the people you want to work with and it filters out the rest. That would be my advice, to build a
0: customer-centric business. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Question number seven is, what is your definition of success? My definition of success
1: is, and I, again, I love the word that you've actually used, harmony, because it is, it is the harmony of, of life. It's just my definition of success is um, a fulfilled life. You know, it's not all about the money and the material goods. It is a fulfilled life and, hey, hopefully even a life of awe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. We've added another question. Um, question number seven is, do you have any morning habits that you set you up for the day?
1: Most definitely. Um, one is I always make myself a, a, a hand-brewed uh, chai tea. Oh, that's essential. Okay. That's my little jolt of caffeine. But really my morning practice is two things. Um, affirmations, uh, I, I okay. do, a, a, I take up my dogs for a walk, a good 45 minute walk, which looks like I'm walking my dogs to everybody else, but I'm actually repeating my current affirmation in my head over and over again. Okay. Um, so re, the repetition of affirmations, and then I come home and I, I work with my what's going right journal that has been the what's going right journal that I teach in lingo has single handedly been the most, uh, useful tool and has made the biggest impact in shifting me, my life towards getting what I want than Anything I've ever done in 33 years, like it just, I have tangible evidence of what it's like to journal, what's going right, and seeing more of that in your life. Uh, so those are my my two key things: are affirmations and uh, what's going right journal.
0: I do, I do love that. I love the fact that, as you know, you're looking at life as a the the glass half full kind of like thing, and therefore your perspective is very much looking out to the possibilities. I know that when when I went and trained over, um, over in your neck of the woods with uh, Jack Canfield, and he, um, he started teaching us about being an um, inverse paranoid, about rather than the world being out to do us bad, it's out there to do us good. Yes. And it was such a unique <laughs> way of looking yeah. at things because it was like, you know, we're, we're, we're that's not what we've been taught. Yeah. But actually to all of a sudden to start thinking that everyone we meet or everything we 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 experience is actually there to benefit us in some positive way is a very refreshing outlook
1: yeah it's the first mindset shift that i offer in lingo in the last chapter it's amazing you said that the first question i pose is do you believe there are forces working on your behalf right and my feeling is is that i mean you can attach spirituality a lot of things to that but what i'm trying to get at is if you want big things in your life you have to believe there's something bigger than yourself at work Right. You just have to. And again, I'm not an overly religious guy. I mean, you know, I allow people to add to that whatever they want to. But what I do know is that, like you said, the people I meet uh, by, again, even working with your ideal customer. One of the one of the magical things that happens with working with your ideal customers is they want you to succeed. They want you to succeed, which is why they tell other people about you, which is why they cheer you on. They want you to succeed. And there becomes this groundswell and this force that you realize in life of people that want you to succeed. And I think inherently you have to first ask yourselves that question. And I love the entrepreneurs that say to me, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe this force is working on my behalf. And I like to push back and say, then why do you feel like nothing's going to get done unless you do it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Yeah, very very true, very true. Okay, okay, so we're at the life lesson question now, Jeffrey. So what you do is pick a number between 1 and 50, and whatever it lands on, it is a life lesson that I've learned, and we open it up as a topical point.
1: I'm going to go with number 39 because
0: I loved being 39 years old. Number 39, it's good to cry. Oof. So, um... So this was a this was a lesson that I learned because for many well up until I was probably late 20s early well maybe even mid 30s um I always believed that it was wrong for a guy to cry um because it was a sign of being weak and it was a sign of um and it just wasn't the the thing to do but also at the same time what I learned was is is that was also a way that it was I was suppressing actually what I truly felt and really how I needed to express myself and I learned that you know I'm not talking about bawling it you know gone with the wind or whatever whatever tv programs are on but it was but it was about being okay with expressing my emotions um and not be afraid or ashamed of doing that and I just wondered what you thought. Oh, well, you're talking to a crier. <laughs> so <laughs> I could not have picked a bigger number. I mean, I, gosh, I. I,
1: can, I can't handle most com- TV commercials. Um, <laughs> you know where I cry and I cry the most is I can't, I like, watching shows like The Biggest Loser and, like, these, these, these yes. development shows. Like, oh, my gosh, when you see people yeah. accomplish things, I weep like a baby. Like, it's just so incredible to see people. What it is, I, lo- I find the most, one of the most emotional points in my life, and I felt this way with my kids when they were playing sports, is watching other people be applauded. I find that unbelievably emotional. And the funny thing, is, so my one of my daughters was married uh, just a couple months ago, and my other kids, my other two kids, as well as a huge number of guests, all had bids on how much I would ball walking her down the aisle. Like they I mean, there was literally a, a bet going on. like and the cool thing is is I didn't, but only because they did, the photographer did what they called the first look where I had to walk into the suite where she was getting dressed. I had to walk in ahead of time and see her for the first time and I bawled like a baby. Like It was so emotional to me. So I had gotten it out of my system But so the time I walked her down the aisle, I was good and everybody was shocked. Like, he cries at everything. How could he not be crying walking his daughter down the aisle? So. I felt a little amount of vengeance, like you know, all of you who bet that I was going to cry, you just lost that bet, which was pretty much everyone. So I think it's totally fine. I think it's you know, I man, female, I gosh, I mean, I, I'd like to think, you know, and we're seeing evidence of it not being the case. But man, we need to start breaking down all sorts of barriers, and certainly gender barriers. It is no worse for a man to cry than a woman to cry, and I think men, we are very emotional beings, and we have every right to express that and. I have cried on the shoulders of many a woman in my life. And you know what, that's that to me is, and that to me, it's almost a man crying on the shoulder of woman almost brings out the best of both genders, right? I mean, women are strong. That's one of their greatest characteristics. They are strong. I want more female leaders in our world. I so desperately wanted a female president in the U S you know, and you know, they're strong and, and, and amazing. And we men have far more of a tender side than what we're seeing in the world by this, this harassment and bullying going on. Like, let's get back to the roots. Men are sensitive and women are strong. And a crying man on a woman's strong shoulder, I don't think anything could be more perfect.
0: Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So Jeffrey, the floor is now yours for you to share how people can get hold of the book and also about how they can find out more about you and how they can connect with you. Awesome, well, I, you know, I'm a believer in trying to give a, a taste and a sense of what I do
1: rather than just, hey, just go to my website. Like, I would, I'd like to give people a flavor for what I do because then if that piques their interest, then you know, there's a better chance they're my ideal customer. So okay. what I suggest, what we've put together specifically for you, your show, and your listeners is um, a Lingo Media Kit, which contains uh, in the Lingo Media Kit, uh, there's an infographic which represents the five steps of developing the secret language of your ideal customer. And there's a free chapter of the book, uh, which is the book on perspective which i think is the most important of all the chapters and also an audio version of that chapter which is really cool being a podcaster we've really upped up the game there's sound effects and there's more stories in the audio version than there are even in the book um and it's really fun so all of that can be found at jeffreyshaw.com forward slash success iq um and yeah the lingo media kit i'd love to just grab that because anything else if you want to find me on social media my website you'll all that channels to find me there will all be there but you know, grab the Lingo Media Kit, find out what I'm about, about see how I think, and whether that resonates for you, and whether you feel I get you and you get me, and then we'll uh, we'll talk further.
0: Fantastic, Jeffrey. Thanks very much. I'll also put the links for the show and um, and the book and all of that sort of stuff as well. And um, just the final thing, just to say, thanks very much for joining me, and wishing you the greatest success.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here with you, Jeff. Thank you.
0: So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You could also join us on the Facebook page, just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that was put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that i'm really looking for so just to say i hope you have a fantastic week i wish you the great success and i look forward to speaking to you next week take care